We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go to this one from john a1 john a1 should marcus freeman leadership of coaches be a concern matt bayless harry Heastan, tommy reese and now his hire jared parker all seem to leave in a surprise to freeman and the program no i mean look bayless's situation had nothing to do with freeman that was an off the field family situation harry Heastan only came out of retirement to coach with tommy reese so when Reese left, he stand retired, coach, he stand retired. And Tommy got promoted to basically, I mean, look, Alabama, Notre Dame to Alabama, is, as much as we want to say, it's not a lateral move, folks. It's not, especially if you're someone who wants to be an offense, be a head coach or be an offensive coordinator in the NFL, excuse me. Um, Parker leaving, he, he left for a head coaching job that, that uh, we talked about this last week, Ryan, when you're, when you're a good head coach, people are going to want people from your staff. There's going to be staff turnover. If you have the same coaching staff for seven, eight years, there's a good chance that that means your coaching staff isn't that good because people aren't coming for your guys. You know, Jared Parker for all uh, uh, the angst that like, it, it's wild. I'm seeing all these people freaking out about Parker leaving. I'm like uh, all year, you guys are telling me how he sucks and he should get fired. And now he's leaving. And people are freaking out about, well, gee, he's leaving. You know, some people are consistent saying, good, I'm glad he's gone. But the fact is, is Jared Parker just led Notre Dame to an almost 40-point-per-game season. Notre Dame scored 45.8 points per game in their nine wins. Fans may not like it. We did bad and bad games. So is every Notre Dame offensive coordinator for the last 30 years. You know what I mean? Like, that's a Notre Dame problem. But people recognize the job he's done, and, and he's a smart guy, sharp guy. He interviews very well. And he just got hired from a you know to 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 be a program of a what is a pretty good group of five program, and and you know they went eleven and two this year. Their losses were to Kansas State and a two point loss to James Madison. Right? I mean, they went twelve and two the year before. That's a that's a promotion. I mean this this isn't like I had somebody ask me if if this is like Everett Withers kind of being for. I'm like no. He just went to a group of five school as he's been an offensive coordinator for one year at Notre Dame. And he just got a group of five head coaching job at a place that went 23 and four the last four years. If you want to be a head coach, this is part of the process. 
It's no different than when Urban Meyer left to go become the head coach of Bowling Green, which led to Utah, which then led to Florida, which then led to Ohio State. That's part of the process. And with his background, this is the kind of move he needs to make. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be getting going from OC at Notre Dame to Texas when Steve Sarkeesian leaves in a couple of years. The only way that happens is if he goes to a place like Troy and uses that to get another job, which then leads into that, if that's his ultimate goals. So that's this is not a lateral move. If your job, if your goal is to be head coach, this is the kind of move you make. So if anything, you could say, you know, Freeman's done a pretty good job of hiring a guy that is coveted by other people. I don't give him credit for hiring Tommy Reese because Tommy Reese is already here when he got here. But no, I I, I think if you were to question his leadership of coaches, it's more about what happened with Chancey Stuckey than people trying to poke, you know, um, um, kind of. What's the word I'm looking for? Coach. Uh, poach. Yeah. Poach his coaches from a staff. That's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. You want you want coaches that are desired because that means that you're being recognized as a as because it's also going to make it easier for you to replace them. Like if you're if you're someone who's a young OC and you're like, dude, Jared Parker in one year on a nine and three team with one year as a as a primary offensive coordinator, because he's only been an OC for one year. Everybody in the coaching world knows he was not the true OC at West Virginia. Everybody knows that. And he got a job at a place like Troy. Imagine what I could do if I could come in there and with the guys that they're going to have. And so it, when things like that happen, it makes the job more attractive. You know, if Mike Mickens leaves for a D coordinator job or something like that over the next couple of years, that that's something that other cornerback coaches are going to say, Hey man, because there are not a lot of corner coach corner cornerback coaching is a lot like running back coaching on offense for whatever reason. They just don't get the same consideration for coordinator and head coaching jobs that other positions do for, for a, a host of reasons. He goes and gets a D coordinator job. All of a sudden, Notre Dame becomes a place you want to look at if you're a corners coach. You can recruit there. You can coach there. Freeman's a defensive guy, and it can lead to a promotion. So there are other things that I would say make me question his leadership of coaches than, than this, just in my opinion, Ryan. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a. I mean, it's not it's definitely not an apples to apples for a lot of these mm-hmm. these spots too. I mean, again, Tommy Reese going to Alabama, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a very good thing, you know, just from a per- perception perspective. Harry Easton was just was at the end of the rope, right? And if he didn't have any his guy in his corner that he wanted to come back to, like it just wasn't going to be a situation he was going to stick around. He for doesn't no come to Notre Dame at all if Tommy Reese isn't the OC. If Tommy Reese would have left for LSU. Harry Heastan's not Notre Dame's offensive line coach last year. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly said. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think that those situations are proof that Marcus Freeman's in a, you know, uh, there's any issue there at all. Right. Like it, it's, it's more, I think the evaluation of the player of the coaches that he's bringing in, we need to now over the next couple of years, evaluate where are they getting jobs to, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the most important thing is, as long as they're not lateral or lower jobs right. they're taking afterwards, that would that would signify that it was a bad hire to begin with. Right. So. Like if he left for, I mean, I think the Everett Withers situation is a perfect example. You don't leave the coordinator job at Ohio State when you're 24 and two to take the James Madison job that at that time was a good FCS program, but not a not what it became after him. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, if he'd have got a, a job at a really bad group of five school, this is a very good group of five program that's had some pretty good coaches in recent years. 
you know, and so wasn't Blake Anderson there for a while, I believe. I th- or, and it was Arkansas State. I could be wrong about uh, that. Was, yeah, wasn't I, he, I, I thought he was there first, but I could, I be, could wrong be wrong on that. Uh, you could be correct on that, Ryan. But, you know, Neil Brown obviously was there, and he got the head coaching job at um, – no, he you're correct. He was only at Arkansas State. I, okay. I just swore he was. But, yeah, but um, Neil Brown gets the – you know, goes there, does well. Yep. Gets the head coaching job at West Virginia, which is a, a quality job. You know, he did some nice things there. Won 10 games three years in a row. Uh, the coach they have there now got the Troy job – or, excuse me, the Tulane job, uh, which is a pretty good job. So, I mean, you know – Larry Blakeney, that's that's who it was. He had some he had some good years at Troy as well. Was there for a long time. Um, so, and he actually was the one that took them from one double A to Division One. And um, that's when they were called Troy State. Troy State. Now yes, they're sir. called Troy. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He, um, yeah, did was there a very long time. So anyway. Uh, Little, little bit of apples to oranges with, like you said, Ryan, with some of those, some of yes. those moves. Yep. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Factor has been a great friend of the Driscoll household this month. Not only are we super busy with work and everything going on with Notre Dame football, we're also dealing with a house remodel. And even thinking about cooking stresses me out, which is why I'm so thankful we found Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals that can be on your plate in minutes. It has literally saved me hours of prep, cooking, and cleaning time during an incredibly busy season for us. And their fresh but and never frozen meals got delivered right to my doorstep, which also saved me plenty of shopping time. On top of that, the flavor is outstanding. Whether it's the chicken taco bowl I had for dinner last night or my personal favorite so far, which is a filet over a mushroom risotto, I'm eating healthy meals but not sacrificing flavor. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holiday. You can choose from over 35 chef-crafted meals that also support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie smart, vegan, keto, protein plus, and more. Head to factormeals.com irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off today. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com irish50 to get 50% off, definitely give it a try. 
We did, and we love it. We had Little Guy, 131. What's up, Little Guy? How many practices are media able to attend for bowl prep? I saw Tuesday, Brian and Vince, I think, but not sure if anyone, any, anyone others. So there's only going to be two availability, and I'll, we'll only be at one of them. One of them will be this Tuesday. I'll be there. Sean Stiers will be there, and Vince will be there, and Angela will be there taking photos. And we'll have not the whole practice. We'll get you know FSA, which is stretch, and then some individual periods, and then they'll probably kick us out when team starts. The one down in uh, – they're going to have one on the 26th, in the morning of the 26th. I'm going to be on. It's just, it's just kind of the first – five periods it's not a whole lot i'm not going to be there because to be honest with you the only way to get there would have been to leave on christmas and i'm not leaving on christmas for to watch stretch and walk through uh but there will be an availability there and then i'll be flying down later i will be going down that day but just later that day uh, to cover the bowl game so but there's only two possible uh, openings this this next one will be the one we get the most out of to be honest with you so it'll be interesting to see kind of how it goes we had John A1 with a question. Who gets to rotate at big end with with um, Javante Jean-Baptiste now? I know the P jacked yeah. you up, right? Yeah, <laughs> I did. I was like, where's the P coming from? Now that Nana Osafa Mensa has transferred. Uh, Josh Burnham most likely will get those reps in the bowl game. Uh, there's a chance we could see Bubakar, but I think for right now, I, I think we'll see Bubakar stay at Viper for the bowl game. And then his future will be determined by what his body does in the strength program this year. But yeah. I anticipate uh, Josh Burnham being that guy for Notre Dame in this should bowl be, game. Should be interesting. Very interesting. Joe Allen, how much of an impact getting Kohana Kia back, come back going to have? Do they have an idea what position? That's the last part I'm not sure of, Ryan, because like Coach Freeman talked about this. He started as a linebacker and then moved to Viper out of necessity. I don't know that there's a need at Viper for him now, uh, but I don't know that like where he's going to fit at linebacker either. I, I think that his he'll most likely be a guy that's going to need a year to get back into football shape. And look, it's one thing to work out in the gym and 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 run, but there's there's that, and then there's football shape, right? It's just a different animal. So I I I don't know honestly. I, I and I don't know what his body. I mean, is did he go on a mission and lose 25, 30 pounds? Did he go on a mission and gain fifteen pounds? I don't. I don't. There's so much I don't know that I'd have to know before I can answer that question. Um, but the, the nice thing is, because he does have some positional versatility, it's kind of like, well, look, if you need depth at Viper and you don't, you're not ready to move press and center, then he might be a kid that you can look at. And, you know, he's going to get a, a quality athlete and a hardworking kid and someone who was a very good special teams player as a freshman as well. Yeah, we got to see what his body transformation was. I think mm-hmm. that's a key thing. John A1, would you be shocked if K.K. Smith has four-plus catches and 60-plus yards in the bowl game? Yes and no. Uh, yes, because the kids never played and didn't practice all season, and that's quite a jump. No, from the standpoint of he's got the skill to do it. I, I you know, it, there's no like, holy crap, that kid caught. No, it's like talent wise, absolutely. But would I be shocked if if he did it based on the current depth chart and the fact that he just started practicing for bowl, you know, like late in the season bowl prep? That part would surprise me. But he's he's. It wouldn't be like a wow, he's better than I thought he was type of situation. Surprise is the good word there for me, John, yeah. that Brian used. It would be surprising because I, I, you know, again, it's a still a transitional period coming in, right? Like mm-hmm. a kid that's never played on a Notre Dame field is going to potentially be playing his first game. So I would be surprised if he's that productive that quick, but I wouldn't be shocked necessarily. I mean, 
I mean, we, we, we've seen a lot of crazy things at the wide receiver room this year. You know, we've seen a lot of weird and crazy things. So would I be shocked? No. Would I be surprised? Yeah, slightly. I'd be surprised. Yeah. yeah. We have Pete Weber. What's up, Pete? Let's say hypothetically in a strange turn of events, the current offensive coordinator is unable to coach for the bowl game. How does this impact a first-time starter like Steve Angeli? I like how you phrased that, Pete. Yeah. So that we weren't going to talk about Trey right. Parker, but now, yeah. Uh, um, that was very well done. Obviously, we're talking about it now that it's become official a little bit. But uh, actually, I think this helps Steve because the person that Steve has had the most communication with is Gino Gadouli, the guy that knows Steve's strengths and weaknesses and his knows his command of the offense better than anybody else is Gino Gadouli. So I think in that standpoint, this helps Steve even though it's not necessarily the, the move I would make, it's not the full-time move I would make, et cetera, et cetera. But when you've got a first-time starter in a bowl game and you're going to have a new OC and it's his position coach, I think that helps with the comfort level. He already knows how to communicate to him where, yeah. you know, I mean, Jared Parker has a relationship with Steve, but it's different for no, it's hard for an OC to have that kind of connection with three kids. You know what I mean? Where the quarterback's coach has to do it. So I think it's a, it's a positive, it's a plus for Steve. I'm interested to see where Coach Gadouli is during the game because he's typically on the sideline, but we know mm -hmm. OC is usually called from the box. So I'm interested to see if he's down on the field Very. or if he's up in the box. I'm not sure what the situation will be there for him. So yeah. We had Stone Stonador. Since 2016, 2019 is the only season Notre Dame has had continuity at both offensive coordinator and defense coordinator. Has this constant turnover hurt Notre Dame's ability to remain consistent between seasons and maintain its offensive and defensive identities? Well, your identities are determined by your head football coach. And Marcus Freeman's going to go hire somebody as the offensive coordinator that's going to do the things he believes in on offense. Uh, if Al Golden leaves this offseason, it's going to – like there was some continuity 21 to 22 on defense because you had the same head football coach. Uh, but there's, it's still different when you have a new coordinator. So I, I think there's merit to what you're saying. And, and it certainly has, it, it, that it can absolutely create issues with consistency. There's no question. It can certainly have that impact. Um, has that been an issue at Notre Dame? I mean, I think it's hard to discount it. Right. But me, I just don't know that it's necessarily quite like I would say 21 and 22, there was continuity. Now you had a, you had a different head coach from 21 to 22. I'm talking strictly from a, a coordinator standpoint, but what you also had was you had the D coordinator from 21 was the head coach in 22. The the system was going to stay the same. You had a different offensive You had the same offensive coordinator in 21 that you had in 22. That's a nitpick. The overall point stands. I do think it can it can can have issues with consistency because there's there's different types of communication. There's going to be different terminology. This coach is going to prefer this, you know, emphasis on the play. You can hand look, guys. Here's the thing: you can hand the same playbook to three different offensive coordinators three years in a row, and the offense is going to look different because these suckers are thick, and there's a lot in there, and you don't use it all. You don't take it all in the game. So this coach may say, "Hey, we're going to emphasize this part of it. We I like this concepts in it." Uh, this other guy likes these things. This other guy likes this thing. It's what this guy maybe had a lot of different emphases on personnel. This guy will have different emphases on, on, um, you know, RPOs or not. Like they had RPOs in the offense last year. They had RPOs in the offense this year. They used RPOs more this year than they did last year. Not as much as I would have liked, but they used them differently. 
and the next coach may use them more, may use them less. Uh, so in that regard, there can certainly be uh, some challenges with with continuity, no question about it. And But that's why the head coach has to have a very clear vision on what he wants and make sure that he's hiring people to carry out what he wants. John A1 asks, is it possible for the O-line to be better at run blocking in 2024? It's possible, certainly possible. Uh, you're going to be more athletic up the middle. That's a given. Will you be better? Don't know about that. Could could Charles Jagasaw? See, here's here's the thing. I could see Charles. This is a lot of hype, uh, or not, not? I shouldn't say hype. This is a a lot of. This is asking a lot of him. But I could see Charles Jagasaw not being any different in the run game than what Joe Walt was this year. Like the the difference is going to be Joe Walt was an elite pass blocker. And I think that's the area where Charles is going to have the biggest adjustment. But just pure run game, I mean, Charles Jagasaw is 6'7", 330 pounds and strong. Like, I could even see him being a, a more dominant run blocker than Joe Walt. He won't oh, yeah. be as consistent as Joe, mm-hmm. but he could be more dominant than Joe. Sure. Uh, right tackle just depends. I was not at all impressed with what Blake Fisher did this year. Like, not at all, especially in the run game. Like, that was the biggest disappointment, disappointing pat part of Blake Fisher's progression at Notre Dame was just he never became the run blocker I thought he was going to be and thought he could be. So is there a chance that the O-line will be better at run blocking in 2024? Absolutely. I mean, because if you look at how they ran run blocked in their their last three big games, like I thought they did great against Ohio State. I thought the O-line played their butts off against Ohio State. They were terrible against Duke. They were terrible against Louisville. And they were meh against Clemson at the beginning and then terrible in the second half. So that's not a high bar. I think the question is going to be, and I like how he said run blocking, the question is going to be, do they take a step back in pass pro? That's a concern because they weren't great at pass pro this year. But honestly, Ryan, I could see a a, a step back. You're going to take a step back and left. Dude, I don't care if the best tackle in college football that's not going to the draft transferred to Notre Dame next year, you're not going to be as good at left tackle and pass pro as you were with Joe Walt. I mean, there's not, but I mean, it's not a given that they're going to be worse at right tackle in pass pro next year. Yeah. I, I loved what I saw from Billy Shrouth and Ashton Craig in pass pro for the most part. There's a couple of times they didn't anchor and they got knocked back a little bit. They got to do a better job, but, but there were some really good snaps there. I don't think Pat Coogan's going to get worse at pass pro than he was last year, this past year. And if he is, there's people to beat him out. So I could see an upgrade from left guard all the way to right tackle and pass pro, but that left tackle one could be a big difference. Sure. But run blocking, I could certainly see them being better at run blocking this year. I'm not going to say it's definitely going to happen because we need to see it, but yeah. the the potential that Billy Strauss more talented than anybody they had playing inside until he took over. Ashton Craig's more talented than Zeke Carell. It's not as experienced. He's more physically talented. Yep. So – but there's a lot more that goes into being a good run blocker, Ryan, than just talent. You've got to know angles. You've got to know technique. You've got to, there's weight room. There's all types of things go into that that could determine that him not being better than Zeke Corral next year. But with the way he played at the end of the year, I'd be surprised if they're not better up the middle in the run game next season. And yep. with Jagasaw, like if it was Tosh Baker and Emil Wagner, I'd say no. Well, they won't be better at run blocking next year than they were this year. At best, it's a wash because you'll be better up the middle, but not as good a tackle. That's what I would have said. Yeah, but if it's Jag assault left tackle, whoever's at right tackle, then yeah, I could see them being better run blocking. What what are your thoughts on that, Ryan? 
Jacksonville's a big boy, man. I, I, I don't think run blocking is going to be an issue for him. I think that Blake Fisher took a step back because I think losing that weight kind of cost him a little bit of power. And I think the flexibility didn't really increase the way he probably wanted it to increase. I still think he was a little bit tight and in, in kind of in his hips. So I think that, especially if it's Emil Wagner, because Emil Wagner is a big wild card in this conversation, right? Because it's going to be him battling against Tosh and, you know, we'll see who wins that battle ultimately, you know, just for the bowl game, but into next year as well, potentially. But Emil has some big time upside as yeah. a tackle in general, because he's very strong for a guy his size, right? Like he's 280 something pounds, and but he is very strong. He's got some strong mitts on him, some pop in his hands. So if he's able to continue to fill out, I think that he has the talent to be yeah. upgraded right tackle overall. I think it's possible. You know what I mean? Left tackle, I agree. Like you're not going to, just overall, you're not going to upgrade left tackle. Could no. it be better at run blocking, though? It's possible. I mean, yeah. Joel was very good at run blocking, though, this year. He was yeah. a very good run blocker. Yeah. But Charles Jacobson still probably has more physical gifts as a run blocker than what Joel does. And he's That's bigger. Cool. Yes. He's going to be bigger. He's bigger right now. Yeah. Right yeah Let me ask you this right question, now. Ryan. Yeah. If Emil Wagner goes into this offseason, gets the necessary, you know, body build that he needs and by build yeah. i don't just mean size i just mean the ability to just the th thicker lower i mean if he stays at 288 but he redistributes his body and he's now thicker in the core okay fine whatever he's not that means he's bought three pounds lighter than robert hainsey was as a sophomore true starter at right tackle you know what i mean so uh on a team that went 12 and 0 so when i look at it ryan in, in you know if i have my fingers crossed brian what's your fingers crossed wish upon a star offensive line look like next year it it would it would be jagasalt left tackle ashton craig at center it would be billy shrout at one guard spot emil wagner at right tackle and either and somebody beats out pat coogan for the other guard spot that would be my wish upon a star if that because if somebody beats pat coogan out they're going to be pretty good pat coogan was solid this year at time he was solid but that's just all he's ever going to be in my opinion and against the better D tackles, it was a mismatch. He just, he just, he just doesn't have the athleticism or just natural power to hold up. But he's a tough kid who tries hard and he's smart, right? So you could do worse than that. Notre Dame has done worse than that in recent seasons, right? Let's pop in some 2021 film. Uh, but if he gets beat out, it means somebody bigger and more talented beat him out. That's what it means. That's my wishing upon a star. And if that happens, there's yeah. going to be some ups and downs in the run game, but that's why you or pass game, pass pro, because that's why you bring in a Riley Leonard. But the run game could be really good, really good if all yeah. those things happen in my yeah. opinion, Ryan. I'm curious to see who just what the competition at guard is overall. Because I mean, you mentioned Pat, obviously, and you mentioned Billy, and but outside of that, is Sam Pendleton going to take a step forward to being mm -hmm. that guy? You know, do a is Ty Chan able to stay healthy and right. become into that conversation? You know, we have finally some... move him inside the guard. Yeah. Full time. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's a Selman Absher's another one, Ryan. Like if yeah. he's that good, but he's just not as good as a meal, like, Oh, you know yeah. what? We got to move Sully inside to, to guard and give him that chance to compete. Right. Yeah. There's some dudes there. There's some dudes. Yeah, man. Sullivan's a big kid. Yeah. So we're talking about the size components. That's going to be a really and big line potentially. I have talked to some people, Ryan. This is interesting. I've talked to some people around the program that they love Joe Otting. 
So if Joe Odding is like, dude, he's one of our best five, they could easily slide Ashton Craig over to guard and put Joe sure. Odding in the center. I don't know sure. if 2024 will be the season for that. Just for weight and development. Yeah, and, yeah. He, and he, yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's if, a good offseason. I could see something. Cra- I've heard a lot of good things about Joe Odding, which, but it's interesting because yeah. the stuff I heard about Ashton Craig last year as a freshman, Ryan, yeah. is exactly what I've heard about Joe Odding this year. Kind of covering the same cloth a little bit, so it makes sense. Very much so. Very much so. And I actually think this next question kind of ties into what we're just talking about with the offensive line for me. Pete Weber says, what are the biggest mismatches for us to get excited for and be watching during our bowl game? I think, honestly, kind of what we were just talking about. I I, I want to see how this new-look offensive line holds up against Oregon State's defensive line because as of now, none of their D linemen are opting out of the bowl game as of now. They lost Achille Arnold at safety. They lost one of their corners, and then they lost their yep. leading tackler. Was he the Mike or the Will? I think he was. I think he's the Will because he's a little yeah. bit of a smaller guy. I think, but uh, yeah. but he was. The, he had over 100 tackles. They lose those three guys for sure. Yep. Don't believe any of their offensive linemen are opting out. The one right tackle kid that we talked about, right? He has opted out. He's yes. not playing the bowl game. Oh, that kid's a stud, um, man. <laughs> but their their defensive line was very good this year, and as far as I know, as of right now, they're all playing in the bowl game. So. This is going to be a great first test for Charles Jagasaw, Ashton yep. Craig, Billy Shrouth, and then whoever starts a right tackle. It's going to be a very big test because this is a team finished 10th in college football in in, uh, in uh, sacks this season. It's a very good defense. They didn't play great against Oregon, or Oregon but outside of that game in Washington State, those were their yep. two bad games this year. They were really good on defense in a lot of their other games. They really sure. were. Sure. And their D-lines – would you? I mean, I don't see any like. I mean, I'm not a draft guy. You are. I'm just my. I don't see any like first round draft picks at Oregon State. They're just no. a bunch of big, veteran, aggressive kids up the middle, and some guys that have a little twitch on the outside. And they're schemed well. They do a lot of stuff where they'll bring linebackers and all that. That's the other interesting part is because the Tyler Bray is not coaching the bowl game, which is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. I've seen head coaches get hired and not coach the bowl game and let the current staff do it, but he was on the current staff. Right. That's right. the weird thing about it. So their yeah. DC won't be coaching in the bowl game. It's weird. Very weird. It's very strange. Very weird. They want to keep the loss off of his uh off of his record, I guess. I, guess. I don't know, know. Like he's gonna focus on recruiting. I'm like, how about you focus on joining in the conference? Right. Because like, yeah. I you know, you, although you could argue they got a great shot at winning the pack two next year, though, Ryan. You know, they could they could gotta win one, baby. It might be the lead, they might be the leader in that conversation next year. <laughs> gotta Who win one. Who knows? <laughs> Ugh, gosh, <laughs> are there any others that you're looking forward to seeing, Ryan? Not I me, mean, because everything's pretty much been depleted. Otherwise, like I would have loved to see Damian Martinez versus the Notre Dame. Just he's you know, playing your defensive. Damian Martinez is playing. They reinstated him. Yeah. Oh, really? I thought he was suspended. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll go. I'll go to be a little bit different then, because I actually do think it's interesting. Is Damian Martinez? Even though if you know Fuaga not playing at right tackle, it's still a good offensive line. So the run game versus a Notre Dame front seven that is certainly talented, but. They've given us some run some yeah. runs this year. So, you know, can the line the young linebackers, the interior defensive linemen, can they stand up and have a good outing against a, pr- a pretty good rushing attack when they're all healthy? Yeah. And they should be running the ball a lot with that quarterback they have in now. Yeah. So yeah. I, I also I mean, I know that the the one corner's not playing and Achille Arnold's not playing, but there's still some good DBs in Oregon State. I, I that's gonna be a decent test for the Nerium receivers. That's another one that I'm looking forward to seeing. If Jaden Greathouse goes out there and goes off, that that tells me something, because they do have they 
that was a very good secondary the last two years. And I know they've lost some guys, but there's still some good football players that are going to be lining sure. up in that game. It's kind of like Notre Dame. They lose Cam Hart. That sucks. But they're not putting some borderline walk-on in to replace them. Right. You know what I mean? Like Putting a top 50 recruit out there. Right. So, yeah. Right. Exactly. John A1, which is it more difficult for a college offensive line to achieve? Great run blocking or great pass or pass pro? My opinion on this has changed dramatically in recent years, Ryan. It used to be pass pro was the hardest for me. And even up until recently, I probably advocated for that just because there it was just so much more technical and so few offensive linemen actually pass pro in college in high school. Like it just but nowadays it's like there's so many t- teams now in high school that throw the ball a bunch and teams do so much. There's so much more in college, like just the, of the exotic stuff in the run game there. They ask so much more of linemen now in the run game than they, than they have in the past. Um, I, 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 I think it's a much more of a wash now to the point where you could kind of argue it might be even more challenging to, to, to be great at run blocking now uh, than it is, than it was, not that long ago for me and and my entire career it was much harder to get to teach kids to be great pass blockers in college and and now it's just and offensive linemen to me are just getting so much more athletic you know and uh that 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 factors into it as well so i mean you could make a case for the other and, and i used to do that all the time but it's getting to the point now where to be a great run blocker i, I think it's it's every bit as a, a challenge as it is to be a great pass blocker nowadays I think I would still say pass blocking, not for the athleticism aspects or anything of of that sort. I think it's just from a communication perspective. Mm-hmm. Like you see a lot of breakdown in communication a lot. I mean, that's why safety is a pretty hard transition usually yeah. in the college game as well, because communication is so key at that position. Yeah. And when you're an offensive lineman, you need to know where movements come in, where twists are coming, where blitzes are coming, where, you know, rotations are coming. Like there's a lot of different things that happen up front. So I would say pass protection just because, teams are getting even more exotic as far as like the, the, the fronts and the blitz packages that they're throwing at you, man. It's a lot from a communication perspective. Yeah. This one makes, made me smile. Brian Wade Garrett said just for coach D I'm getting a new puppy in February. I know you're a dog lover. So just wanted to share. I'll now have three dogs. God help me. Sure. You know, Angela and I had a lot of talks this uh, past year about getting a third dog because our two dogs are getting a little older. And then when Rita had her health issues a year ago, you know, the possibility of getting a third dog in case one of them passes, though, you know, the other one won't be so lonely. But we decided to go a different route in some other areas. And we're like, no, nah, I can't. I don't want to do three dogs. But uh, that's awesome, man. Congratulations. I'm curious what kind of dog you got. That And uh, yeah. So lo- I love dogs, man. You know that. Although the last couple of weeks I've been able to sleep in my bed because every time I go upstairs to go to bed at night, Sadie is laying on my pillow and Rita's sprawled out where I lay. So I'm like, screw it. I just go sleep on the couch <laughs> or in the guest room because I don't have the heart to move them and I'm too tired because I'm going to bed so late. But uh, I still love those girls very much. Yeah. Three dogs is a lot, man. I always had three growing up. My well, my parents had three growing up. We only have the one now. We typically had two, but yeah, three's a lot. Three's man, you lot. could I I would not want to be in the in the Roberts household if you had to deal with two young daughters and two dogs. Yeah. That'd be a lot. It almost happened, man. Almost That'd happened. Be a lot. But yeah. Now I'll say this my 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 um my brother and my my sister and brother-in-law would for a while there had the same number of dogs as they had kids. Cause they would have one of the dogs stay in the room. as kind of like the, mm. you know, protector when the yeah. kids are sleeping. So, um, 
that was, I thought that was interesting because they were all they had big dogs. They lived out in the country. They had big dogs. Gotcha. John A one based on the talent projected to be on the twenty twenty four roster, which offensive scheme fits best? Which offensive scheme should the offense and Marcus Freeman avoid? Triple option. Avoid the triple option. Um, air raid. Look, air yeah, raid. I, they're not an air raid team. Um, I'm not a big air raid. Now, there are just like with any, there's air raid principles I like now as as the air raid has evolved. But I, I'm more of a look. I'm a pro style spread guy. I've been that way for 20 years. I haven't changed. It has evolved, but it's still I'm still there. And I think for Notre Dame, that's still the way to go is more of a pro-style spread because Notre Dame's always got to be a team that's really good at running the football. I just I just have a hard time seeing Notre Dame winning a championship, Ryan, if they can't run the football. And I would even point to the the great Charlie Weiss years. What would they struggle with in some of the games they lost? They couldn't really run the football. They couldn't run the football against Michigan. They couldn't run the football. Uh, it's wild. They actually ran the football really well against LSU in the ball game because LSU was like, we're going to let you kind of run the ball and we're going to shut down your receivers. But, uh, you know, uh, just to, for Notre Dame to be a title contender, they got to be good at running the football, uh, in my yeah. opinion. Now that doesn't mean you can't be. You got to also be explosive. We've talked about all that, but and I just think that's the offense that gives them the best chance to do that. And I also don't think that they can win in a twenty-one personnel traditional twenty-one personnel, you know, Stanford twenty twelve offense either, 2010 offense either, unless you have Andrew Luck at quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think I think having the ability to change personnel attack down the field, attack on the perimeter with the RPO game. I mean, honestly, as I've said, Texas has got an offense that would very much be similar to what I would like with a more mobile quarterback. You know, the, what we saw from Texas this year, um, you just want them to be better in the red zone. Because if Texas was better in the red zone, they'd be a they'd be a 40-point-per-game offense. They were terrible in the red zone this year. Um, but, you know, you, you can mix up personnel. You can be physical running the football. You can still use your speed on the perimeter and throw down the field. Um, you know, yep. my buddy likes to say, I like to run downhill and throw downhill. Oh yeah. Okay. I get that. Very, very tempted by that. But I'm also a guy that likes to use, attack the perimeter at the RPO and screen game as well. Yeah. Well, I, I think for me, like you, you need to strive for balance, John, at the end of the day, like I scheme, I mean, we'll talk about it, right? Like there's so many different variations of schemes in general. Like, I mean, it's it, the, the line between different schemes is kind of getting blurred at times as well, because there's, a lot of coaches that now have different variables and different principles that are a part of their offense that are not interrelated, really. Like they just kind of u- utilize things to keep teams a little bit off balance at times. I, I think, in general, though, Notre Dame is always going to have to run the football. I agree there. They cannot just be able to run the football and then struggle in the passing game because you know what that does in turn if you struggle to pass the football then you are going to struggle to also consistently run the football it's about sustainability for me so whatever scheme it is they need to find more balance than what they've had over the last couple years it needs to be a a priority to create that offense passing game to become more explosive and more efficient and i don't think it has been consistently This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, which means it's a time for giving. Giving to our community is important. There's always joy in giving to our friends and family. We also need to ensure that we are properly focused on giving to ourselves and making sure we're taking steps to give ourselves the tools we need to get through the tough times. The holidays are a perfect time for that. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. 
there are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. This is the best time of the year. It's bowl season and Christmas is right around the corner. So whether you're looking for tickets to the Sun Bowl to watch Notre Dame take on Oregon State or looking for tickets to a Christmas concert or comedy show or just looking for a great last minute gift, game time is the place for you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. Brian, I almost shut this whole thing down, man. Why is that? I just re- briefly looked over the chat, and I saw somebody said Brian Ferenc for OC. Then I uh, saw who it was, and I realized he was joking. Okay. But uh, I almost shut this whole thing down. I was like, no, we're... We've officially hit rock bottom, but yes. he was kidding. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Just, you, know, game, baby. you know, when you see someone, you immediately kind of take it seriously and you're like, yeah. what? And yeah. you're like, no, he's kidding. He's, he's obviously kidding. Yeah. So yeah, that, that I just had a little bit of a, I had a little bit of that moment. Yes. <laughs> Nick McGrail, what position do you think is most impactful for early enrolling early and what position is not as important? Well, I, th- I think quarterback is one that pops in my head immediately. And O-line. Like, yeah. yeah. And O-line too. from the development aspects of things, right? Like those are – because there's a there's a mental development and there's a physical development that are important to enrolling early. It's not just about learning the scheme. It's also about getting in the straight, strength and conditioning program, getting the proper nutrition, developing that way. So I think that that's one spot. I would say – like the ones that don't matter as much, like corner is one for me that like, I mean, if you can stand, sit on, yeah. stand on an island, Steeper, you can stay on an island. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, well, yeah. Ryan, I'm going to say this and I'm for me, offensively, it's quarterback and offensive line, running back, receiver, tight end. If you've got the chops, you've got the chops, you can play uh, defensively. I feel the same way about defensive end. If you're, if you're that guy, you can be that guy. I would say inside linebacker and safety and D tackle, mm-hmm. like right up the middle D tackle, just because, if you like grown man strength and you can handle it as a freshman, 
But sure. that's like offensive lineup tech. There's so much importance on technique and and just weight room strength, and that's why O line is important to me. Also, it's not just the technical development, which is hugely important, the yep. communication, but it's also you're gonna need those extra six months in the strength program, in most cases. Uh, but safety also is kind of like the safety and Mike are the the two probably toughest just here because of how much the game has expanded. And the, and the type of re- communication that is required in checks and adjustments is required because of how much the game has expanded. You know, Mike and Mike and safety are no longer just like safety is a very important mental. I, the, what This may have changed in the last couple of years. I watched a lot of NFL, but I was seeing a lot of not elite athletes becoming really good safeties because they were so smart. Now they weren't, they were good athletes, but like I grew up in like Ronnie Lotz and Steve Atwaters, these just physical specimens. And now it's like, you're seeing these five ten guys that are just really freaking smart being really good at safety as well. Again, I don't know what it's like the last couple of years, but like Harrison Smith's a great athlete, but Harrison smart Smith is very instinctive and smart. When you look at a lot of the great safeties, you know, Ryan Clark wasn't a, a great athlete coming out of college. It's like a, what, seventh round pick. He's really smart. And Troy Palomalu was a great athlete, but he was also incredibly smart and instinctive. Like that's a position that if you want to be great at in today's game, you got to have a really high football IQ. Cause you and I, you, Brian, you and I see a lot of this. I see it at college and I know you see college and the NFL. There's some really physically gifted safeties that suck at football because they just don't, they're not up here. They, they're just not as good. Taylor Mays. That's right. That's, yeah. a, good, that's, a, that's a good example. Yeah. We'll pull this one up, Ryan, because this is relevant. This is kind of um, a little bit of what you were hinting about earlier. And VR says, will Black announce that he's he'll be committing on Thursday? How are we looking on this one? And unfortunately, yes, the, apparently that announcement was made that he will be committing. I believe the teams that he put out there was Michigan, Alabama, Notre Dame and Penn State, I believe, if I saw that correctly. So as of right now, and Will Black is a 2025 offensive tackle out of the state of Connecticut, by the way. He camped here this past offseason and earned a scholarship originally from Canada. As of right now, Ants, we feel very good about where Notre Dame is with Will Black heading into that he decision. Was so on campus yep. this weekend as well at the yep. Echoes Banquet. And I'll just leave it at that. So yep, yep. Um yeah, so feel good. Here we are. Let's go to some more. Irish blooded. What does practice and travel schedule look like for the bowl game? They will leave, I believe, on the 24th. They'll fly down. So they'll actually be down in El Paso for Christmas. And then they'll start practicing while they're down there, obviously. It's definitely not going to feel like Christmas in El Paso. No, 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 no. Hey, Ryan, if you want to quickly knock that article out, I can kind of get these next few if you want okay. to do that. Sure. Because we still have 48 questions. So it's going to be a little while before we get there. So if you want to just quickly pound that out, um, we can get that one going. Uh, Pete Weber asks, off topic, Brian, uh, thought you did awesome on that Twitter spaces the other night. I'd love to see us bring some level-headed journalists for other teams on here. Yeah, that's something I've I've thought about, looked into. Um, you know, we, we're always going to look to expand things. The problem is, there's just not. I, I I haven't seen a lot of that, to be honest with you. And uh, we're gonna. That's one of the things that that Vince and I have talked about. That I'm gonna have Vince doing kind of this off season is trying to find some talent from other teams 
Cause I'm with you. I would like, especially for like CFB nation, I'd love to hold a, have a show where we have some guy from another team come on and talk about his team. The, the problem that we found is we would bring these guys on like on Sean Steyer's show and they talk about their teams and it'd be like, dude, that guy knows less about his team than I do. Remember that show that I went on uh, when Brian Kelly was hired and uh, I was like, dude, I know more about your team than you do. I'm recalling more names from guys on your team than you can. And unfortunately, there's just too much of that. But there are some really good guys out there that I would love to to do more of that. And that's something that we want to do more of on the CFP Nation channel. It's part of that evolution. We just got to eventually get there. And we will. And, but that's going to be part of kind of what, we, what we're going to be doing here. Uh, because I think those – like, I enjoyed that conversation. I mean, you could tell some of those guys don't know a lot about Notre Dame. Some of them did. And they asked very fair questions. And, and uh you know, I, I enjoyed myself. I've never done a Twitter spaces before. I, we won't be doing them just because it just, I'm not gonna, but, um, I enjoyed that very much. I enjoyed that very much. Wade Garrett asks, do you see any unexpected commits on signing day? Not for Notre Dame. I don't see any, uh, on signing day. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how that, how all that plays out, but, uh, uh there's going to be a lot nationally. There's no doubt about that. Gideon Rosa asks, who do you project to be the starting wide receivers? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I know you don't like these projections questions. No, I don't mind these projection questions. It's just, there's times where it's impossible to project because we don't know who's going to be on the roster, who's on the team receiver. We have a pretty good idea. Bowl game. I expect Jaden Thomas boundary. I expect Jaden Greathouse to the field outside. And I expect Jordan Faison to be the slot next season. It's going to be a much different question. Uh, as of right now, I would I would think you're going to see Jaden Thomas obviously go into the offseason as the, the 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 top boundary guy. There's a chance he can move out to to the to the other positions or be a little bit of a do it all type of guy. Um, you know, I, there's some other things where uh, you have um, Jordan Faison and Jaden Greathouse in the slot battling for who's one or two's two, most likely be like one, a one B a little bit ish. You could also see Jaden Greathouse playing all, all over. I would love to actually see that. And then as of right now, I would, I would project Chris Mitchell to be the Z, but that's again, that's going to, going to do it. So, I mean, I don't mind projecting it now. If you were to ask me who's going to line up with the first group in the spring, it may look just like the bowl practices. I could see Chris Mitchell immediately sliding in there. Bo Collins is going to battle at different positions. But, you know, when you've got it, – it just gets a little bit tougher, Gideon, because you also have a new position coach. And how is he going to like certain guys at different places? That's another question as well that we're going to have to um, have to answer. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Give me one sec. Got a lot going on right now. John A1. With a question, John says, does Clarence Lewis remain at slot, at cornerback slot in 2024? Does he move to safety? I don't know. I don't know for sure that he's going to be back uh, next season. I, I haven't been told either way. So it's, a, it, and I say, when I say I don't know, I, I have uncertainty about it. I hope if he comes back, it's at safety. I think he could provide a lot more value there than he could in the slot. You're going to have Jordan Carter, you're going to have Jordan Carter coming in at the slot or Jordan Clark. Come in the slot. I'd love to see Jaden Mickey there. I think Micah Bell's the guy that could play there. I just think he could be better on the back end. Chris Irway, I'm going to bring up your question when Ryan gets back because I want to give Ryan a chance to talk about a Don Schuler because we, we both, I think, have uh, opinions on that one. Gideon Rosa also asks, what are some odd personnel combos you'd like to see in the bowl game? I want to see Price and Love on the field at the same time and often. I'm with you on that one, man. I'm with you on that one. I would love to see Jaden Greathouse and, and Jordan Faison on the field together, which I think we'll see. 
Uh, I would like to see um, Jaden Mickey and Christian Gray on the field together in a nickel type of look in the bowl game. That's another one that I would like to see. Uh, so, you know, I'd, I'd like to see J.D. Bertrand and Drake May or Drake Bowen on the field maybe a little bit at times in the bowl game also. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to be interesting. And, um, yeah, going to be very interesting. Richard Powell says of our – actually, yeah, of our 24 RBs, who is the closest in talent to Audric Estimate, i.e. running style, speed, power, and size? That's easy one. That's Ke- that's Keedron Young. That's, that's Keedron Young. So – um, yeah, that's an easy one. Gideon Rosa, do you see, do you think my guy Aeneas Williams sees the field this year? Well, this year, no, but next year, I'm kidding, Gideon. Next year, 2024, certainly possible. Um, you know, Notre Dame used five running backs this year, and, and I would say that he's more talented than Devin Ford. He's not nearly as experienced as Devin Ford, but he's certainly just as talented as Devin Ford, if not more so uh, than Devin Ford. So I could certainly see him, I could certainly see him be in a situation where that that's, you know, where he's getting on the field next year. I, uh, you guys know me, I'm not a big fan of red shirting running backs. So if he's, if he can help you some way, somehow play him. And then uh, let's, let's get somebody else here. Isaiah Lehman. If you have faith, if, I know you have faith. Cam Williams will be playing minutes next season with the new room. How much production do you think he puts up as a true freshman? I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I'm hoping he can give you at least 15 catches. That's my hope. Uh, you know, Honestly, like if he repeats Tobias Merriweather's production from this season, I'll be happy. You know, like Tobias having that production was disappointing for me, for Tobias and for how he was used. It's not all on the coaches, but a lot of it was to me. But if he just had 14 catches for 284 yards, that's a pretty good freshman season for him. My hope is that, you know, he, he you know, goes beyond that. But if that's the minimum of what he does, 14 catches, 20 yards a catch, that's a good first year. I just think his talent is such that he'll he'll just he'll play more than that. Um but you know, will he be the guy? I don't know about that, but Cam is very good. He's gonna be hard to keep off the field. Be very hard to keep off the field. Jesse Ferguson asks, between Morrison and Gray, who do you think is more likely to get moved to the field corner spot in order to get both of them on the field once? Oh, Christian Gray for sure. You're not moving Benjamin Morrison away from the boundary. That's where you put your best corner. And there, there's a reason Benjamin Morrison's been there their last two years. No doubt. That that's a that's a no-brainer. Jeff Fluke says, Can you go back to the dancing gifts? Are there any out there? Uh, we're not gonna do that just because it, it like look, there's this there's this challenge that we have where you know people want to know if they're paying to be on a site that you're that you're keyed in and you have intel. So we like to give that and that's true of recruiting, but we also have a belief and this is because of, you know, this is how it's always going to be at Irish breakdown. As long as I'm doing this, unless the, unless the things change and it's just, it's not the way the recruiting works anymore. But when these kids are going to have announcements, it's their news to break. And so what would happen was we would do the dancing gif and people would start throwing names out, which we'd ask you not to do. And then they'd get mad when we asked them not to do it. And then they start, oh, it's this kid. And so then you'd get these threads where like people think they know who it is. And a lot of times it wasn't that player. And then we'd do the dancing gif. And then like a day later, two days later, a crystal ball goes out. And then everybody knows that's who. And so we were kind of playing a role in 
taking the moment away. It's like when we would do uh, live commitment shows. Hey, we're going to go live for so-and-so's announcement. We only went live for guys that committed. And so it was like, well, I mean, when we do this, we're, we're not doing it directly, but we are indirectly taking the kid's moment away. Because Notre Dame fans know, okay, Driscoll's going live for so-and-so's commitment. That means that kid's come Notre Dame. And, um, you know, I just, I just don't want to do that. But uh, are there kids that are committed to Notre Dame that have yet to announce? Yes, there are. More than one. Jimmy Jones, any signing day surprises? Other big recruit with Notre Dame, other big recruits? There are not. Ray Holcraft, who are the young players that are expected to play in a bowl game and how good is the Oregon State D even without their three opt-outs? It's still going to be a very good defense. I mean, it's going to still be a very good defense. I like this defensive line from Oregon State. It's very aggressive. Uh, they're very physical. You know, they they do they they bring pressure from all. I mean, they had looking at their stats, they had six guys with over five and a half tackles for loss this season. They had three guys with at least eight. Two of their top three tackle, or actually all three of their top tackle for loss guys are all back. Or, I mean, they're all in the bowl game. Uh, if you look at sacks, their top five sackers on the season are all playing in the bowl game uh, as of now. So, uh, yeah, they lost a corner and a safety, but there's still plenty of talent. Achille Arnold's gone. Jermaud McCoy's gone. But they still have Andrew Chatfield at linebacker, who's kind of their outside backer. They still have uh, Keaton Aladapo still going to be there. Ryan Cooper plays a bunch. I mean, there's still a lot of kids that are going to be playing in that game. So they're, they're a very good defense, in my opinion. Very good defense. Uh, and uh, young players, I mean, we're going to see a lot more Jer- Jeremiah Love and, and um, uh, Jadarian Price. We're going to see the two freshman receivers play start and play a bunch. We're going to see a lot more Christian Gray in this game. We're going to have to see at least one of the younger safeties, I would imagine, in the bowl game uh, with with Ron Henderson gone and Antonio Carter gone. We're going to see the younger linebackers, and we'll probably get to see a heavy dose of Josh uh, Burnham as a rotation end in the game. So there'll be plenty of young guys who'll get chances in this game. Uh, Gideon Rosa, Drake Bone, do you think he gets the start at Mike? Not in the bowl game. J.D. Bertrand's playing. So I would be shocked if he's starting at Mike. I mean, they could always move J.D. back to Will where he played his first year, but I don't think they'll be doing that. Patrick Thornton says, uh, will Tyler be back into walk-on quarterback role? I don't believe so. I mean, that could always change, but my understanding is he's coming back to play lacrosse. And if he is going to be serious about playing lacrosse, and Tyler, remember, Tyler was a phenomenal high school lacrosse player. Um, so that is um, that would be a very um, that would be a very interesting one. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes, but uh, sorry, I just responded to something else, uh, real quick, but no, I, I think that, um, he's going to need to focus his time on lacrosse and getting back to being a lacrosse player. Let's get to some more here. Uh, I'm going to wait for that Ryan to come back before we dive into that one. Tom Connor, I think that the 12 team playoff, it gives teams a lot of opportunities to grow their team, and that momentum uh, might be a big thing going into the playoffs. Agree or disagree? Let me read through that again, Tom. I think that with the 12 team playoffs, it gives teams a lot of opportunity to grow their team, and that momentum might be a big thing going into the playoffs. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think momentum is certainly a big thing. And I mean, I'm not quite sure the angle you're going with it, but my kind of thought is, you know, a team like Notre Dame doesn't get a first round buy. 
And so instead of sitting at home, not playing a game, and what and other teams are, you know, they're playing in that first round game, and so they're fresh. I mean, they're they're they may not be as fresh, but like they're fresh off a game, and they've built some momentum. To your point, played a game, won a game, and now they get to go play that team that's been sitting at home. Um, that could be a positive, certainly, certainly be a positive to build some momentum. So, and then you just get hot. It's hard for a team to just get hot and win four games. You still, I mean, football is a little different than basketball in that regard. You know, where basketball, you know, you kind of get hot and maybe you beat teams that you're not normally anywhere close to. Football is a different animal. It's still the biggest, strongest teams a lot of times still win a lot of these games. Andre Tonsil says, I guess this is just a process of building a program that he wants in his own image, i.e. Marcus Freeman. Do you believe that to be true? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what this has to do with the news today, Andre, to be honest with you. I mean, Jared Parker got pursued to be a head football coach. Most coaches have desire to be a head football coach, and he's taken over a program that went 23-4 and four the last two years. It's pretty impressive. You know, so, I mean um, – I don't know what that has to do with Coach Freeman's own image. I mean, Jared Parker's one of those guys that he believed fit the program in his own image. So I, I don't think that one has um, – yeah, I mean, uh, this is part of the process of building a strong program. You're going to have coaches that are pursued by other people. That's just that's just kind of part of it. Brian Fitterling, I love the way you spell your name, Brian, the first name. What's up, IB Nation? Who, has the, who was the best learning football team ever? And do you think we are going to see that type of Notre Dame football again winning championships? I mean, honestly, Brian, who's the greatest football team ever? I have no idea. I mean, when when you look at Frank Leahy and the things that he did back when he was in Notre Dame, I mean, we're never going to see that again. I mean, you're talking about a, a team that went a four-year span and never lost a game, won three titles in four years. I mean, we're, we're never going to see that again. Um, but we're not going to see that with anybody. I mean, that team, that team that year, and in, in the first title, the forty-six title team, which was his fourth, uh, second title. This is after the war, or first title, I should say, of that stretch. I mean, they gave up eighteen. They gave up twenty-four points the whole year. That's it. Nineteen forty-seven, they gave up thirteen, twenty, thirty-nine, fifty-two points the whole year. I mean, you're just. You're just not going to see that again. I mean, you can go like to the 1966 team and they gave up something like 30 something points an entire. You're just not going to see that anymore. Uh, it's a different game, different era. Um, so you want to talk about like the modern era, like my lifetime? I still say the best team Notre Dame ever had was the 89 team. That was to me the best team they ever had. They didn't win a championship. The 88 team did. Could we have teams like the 88, 89? Could Notre Dame do again what they did in 88 and 89? Absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that context wise, but yes, there's no, there's no reason they can't do that. No reason they can't do that. Irish Gordian, not who is the most underrated player who is signing on Wednesday? That is a good question. Let me think through this one for a second. I mean, I think Cole Mullins is vastly underrated. I think Leonard Moore is vastly underrated. I think Logan Saldate is is underrated. I think Micah Gilbert's very underrated based on what he did this season. Those are off the top of my head names that that pop up. It's, that are more like kind of overall underrated across the board. Like there's some guys like 
Kedron Young is way underrated by rivals. They have him as a top 240 player. He's a top 100 guy, but he's he's ranked pretty high. I mean, that's like the lowest ranking he has. So I wouldn't necessarily call him underrated, even though an outlet or two might underrate him. I think like CJ Carr is way underrated by on three, but most have him as a top 50 recruit. And that's fine. You know, I'd, I'd have him a little higher than some of them, but that's fine. I think those kids that I mentioned are, are, are the ones um, – that are most likely Andre Tonsil asks, is there any player in the 2024 recruiting class that is on flip watch? Um, as far as we know, there is not, I mean, there's always rumblings about this and that, but um, as, as far as we know, there isn't And ant VRS is anyone not signing on early signing day. As far as we know, again, um, from our conversations, this is what we're told. Everyone expects all the 23 of the commitments in the 2024 class. The number is 23. We expect all of them to sign. Uh, let's see here. We already answered that one. Here's one from DMND13. How impressed were you with Mike Brown's first press conference? What did you think of him saying Coach Freeman was the one person in the country he would have left to work for? What's that say? Well, I mean, that, that speaks volumes about the relationship they had when they worked together at Cincinnati. And as you said, he – he. I mean, I, I highly doubt – that he took a pay cut to come to Notre Dame. Highly doubt that. And I would assume he got a pay raise to come to Indiana, but he, or to, to, to move to Indiana to coach in Notre Dame. But he took a job demotion. He was the associate head coach at, in, at Wisconsin. He's just the receivers coach at Notre Dame. That tells me something about the relationship with Marcus Freeman. Now he also, Notre Dame's a place you want to be. Uh, so, it says a lot about their connection. Now, what did I think of him? I loved his press conference. I mean, he's very, he's exactly what I was told he was from a couple coaches I know in the business, very mild mannered outwardly, but has a lot of fire inwardly, a lot of passion inwardly. So he's not going to be that really outwardly braggadocious type of guy. Uh, I love Tim Priester's question. Uh, the first question Tim asked, this was great. I texted him afterwards. I was, I thought it was phenomenal. He's like, okay, I know you're going to say the players did this, this, and this, because that's what coaches always say. But beyond all the work they did, you know, uh, talk about yourself. And uh, you hit a lot of emphasis on teaching, a lot of emphasis on development, things along those lines. Again, right in line with the things I've heard about him. Uh, so, I mean, he said he said all the right things. I mean, everything I hoped he would talk about, he talked about in the room. Hey, this everybody's – I watched a little bit of film, but guys are getting a fresh start with me. That's exactly what you want to hear. Uh, especially if you're one of the kids in the room. So, I mean, I, I thought he hit on everything he said, and it was genuine. It didn't come across as forced or just giving me, you know, PC answers or what I want to hear. He may have been, but it came across as genuine, and I liked that. I was happy to see that. That was good. All right. Kevin Carter says, just curious if there are any flips that are still pursuing. Or are they just locked in with where they are, and where do they think they need to focus on to still close the gaps? So the first part we kind of talked about, uh, we've answered before. We don't expect anyone from their name to flip. We don't believe they're going to flip anyone else in the 24 class. I think they're comfortable with where they are, focusing more so on the portal needs as opposed to high school needs. You know, where does Notre Dame still need to close the gap? I mean, quarterback play. They're they're recruiting talented kids. Now they've got to play like it. Uh, wide receiver development is another one. Defensive line still can can get a little bit better on the edges and up the middle with just overall God given ability. Cornerback is where you need to be. Linebacker where you need to be, and then safety. The talent level at safety still needs to be upgraded. 
that's probably the position right now that I would say still has the biggest need for just a talent upgrade. Where the you know D tackle D end that's there's some really talented kids. You just got to coach them up. Safety, there's not like there's no Bubakar at safety. There's no Josh Burnham at safety. There's no you know Armel Mukum at safety. There's no guys like that that we look at and Logan Thomas at safety, Bryce Young at safety. Where this is just like a guy that you know, Bryce has kind of already tapped into that. We're like, man, there's like three, four dudes that, boy, they're raw, but, man, they could be studs if they get developed. There's not a lot of that at safety. That's a position where I think you need to have the biggest upgrade and talent on the entire roster, in my opinion. But uh, a lot of it's just about the, the the talent's there, but the production needs to be better. Hey, what's up, buddy? Thank you. Oh, Thank you for up. knocking that out. I appreciate that. Yeah, no um, problem. It's on, it's on the board. It's on Twitter. We're all nice. going to go there. Yeah. Nice. Yep, yep, you, yep. you went and published it? Yep, it's published. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Yep. Thanks for doing that. Did you have a photo? Sorry. Do I need to go in there and, and we had We had one already, but good. yeah, we had perfect. one. Perfect. Yes. Okay, good to know. Yep. All right, so good job, Ryan. Yes. Multitasking. There was a couple questions I wanted to, that I passed over, Ryan, that I wanted to get to. Okay. Um. Uh, the the last question that I was going to ask you to address since you stepped in yep. is the question was, where does Notre Dame still have the most work to close the gap? I said quarterback sure. play and mm-hmm. receiver play from a development standpoint, although I love the talent. Uh, the D-line could still use a higher level of talent, mm-hmm. although it's getting there. And then I said safety is the one position on the roster where there's the biggest need for a talent, continued talent upgrade. Yeah. Because my point was there's no like – there's no like um, – Logan Thomas and Ar- and uh, Armo Mukums and Bubakars and Josh Burns sure. there were just those freaky kids yep. that need a lot of development. You know, there's a lot of good solid Adon and Ben Minnick and where the, yep. but they're they're not they're not in the same category. Yep. Anything else? Any part of that that you think I'm I'm off on or you'd add to yeah. anything like that? I- I would say safety, you're 100% on. I think that you still need a lot more impact there. I mean, you got to Xavier Watts, right? But it's about stacking right and being consistent and developing that position you know for on a year-to-year basis so i think safety is one where you just need it because it, i mean safety's been a little bit tough on as far as they've had some numbers issues at times and then also talent issue in others you know what i mean so like they need to be more consistent on both fronts in my in my opinion there defensive tackle i think you hit on as well but i would just say that that is a spot where Notre Dame is heading in the right direction. They are getting bigger. They are getting more athletic, but you need to now develop that better, right? To be a more consistent unit on the interior. And then other than that, I mean, wide receiver and quarterback are ones for sure. Like they are recruiting it at a much higher level than they once were. And it's, I mean, the 2024 version at quarterback and wide receiver, there's going to be a lot of talent there, right? But it's about now, you know, (laughs) what's the difference between the Alabamas and the LSUs of, of the world and Notre Dame's wide receivers. It's that, Notre Dame's aren't developed and put into the better best position comparative to some of those schools, right? Like it's not really a talent gap. Like mm-hmm. they had a Brian Thomas. I'll, I'll, I'll use this with LSU for instance, right? They had a Brian Thomas this year, right? Who was a fantastic player over a thousand yards, six, four and can run like a deer. What's the difference physically between him and Deion Colsey though? When you really look at it, there's not much of a difference. The difference is, is that they were putting him in a better position to be successful and they developed him better as a football player overall. That's the difference, and I think that's where the gap needs to close for me. Yep, absolutely. There was another one up here, Ryan, that um, here's here's a couple that I wanted to kind of get to that are things that I wanted you to be able to, to speak on as well. Okay. Chris Irway says, will Adon Schuler be the 
breakout safety next year. I, I think that that would be like one of the most advantageous situations that happens as far as like the most optimal, right? I mean, Chris, I, because otherwise, look, I, well, I, I'll put it like this. I think out of the two sophomore safeties next year, that being a Don Schuler and Ben Minnick, you need one of those guys to really break out and the other one to still be a good football player. But I think you need one of them to absolutely break out next year because as of right now, you don't know who you're going to be able to get from the portal. Like, is it just going to be a depth guy? Is it a guy that you can't depend on being a starter next year? You need one of those sophomores to really take a massive step forward. So Adon is certainly in that conversation. There's no doubt. I hope so. Yeah. I would say of the freshman, he has the best chance to be so because he's the most physically advanced. He can hit, he can strike. And the fact that he moves better than, than I don't know if you had a chance to watch him like in pregame or, you know, you were at the central yeah. Michigan game. I know he got in late in the game. I don't know if you had a chance to actually watch him at all, mm-hmm. but that's the biggest thing for me, Ryan, is he's built like a tank yes. and, and, but he run, he moves a lot better than I thought. That was my big concern about a Don and he's still yeah. not a burner. I mean, he's not, yeah. a, but he just moves with a lot more ease than mm-hmm. I thought than I thought he did in high school. And I know you liked him when you saw him at the All-Star game and we both yes. liked him in high school, but yep. his ability to play with range and get yep. to spots some point A to point B really in a hurry looked better to me than I thought it was going to. So physically though, that kid's ready to play right now. <laughs> it's just about knowing the system and all that kind of stuff. And so I I think he has certainly has a shot to be that guy next year uh at, at the safety position on the roster. physically he was ready as a high school senior man they obviously him and his family and, and everybody around there they take a big you know they they take big priority in body development and being able to work their butts off i mean i he is a physically put together young man and he always was so i'm yeah i think physically he's going to be ready to go i think he's a very smooth overall athlete if the explosiveness is, is there to stay then there's no reason I think that a Don Schuler can't be a really good player for Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually going to see if I had a, cause I don't know if I downloaded it or not yet, but Angela took a picture of him in a game this year. And I was like, Holy crap. They well at the all-star game, I'll put it like this for everyone out there, not to make it too weird, but a Don was one of the players that every chance he get to uh, after a practice to not have a shirt on, he wouldn't have a shirt. on. Yeah. We'll leave okay. It that, so I actually yeah. found that photo. And yes. and I'm gonna pull it up that Angela took this during pregame of a game and see if I can if I can pull this up. But I'm like, this kid's a freaking tank. Yes. Like this is like a this kid look. I'll play this, Ryan. I mean, this kid looks more like an NFL safety physically. I'm I'm not talking about like how he plays or like hit. Yeah. I'm just talking about like how he looks. The look. the look looks a lot more physically imposing. Yep. I mean, than what you expect from a college kid. And and I'll just show you this. I'll just show you this picture. And I'm like, he looks like a 30 year old. I mean, it's it's wild. The, the the way that Adon looks. Let me see if I can find this this photo. Eh, it's freaking StreamYard's being a pain in the butt. Here, I'll try it this way. It just drives me nuts. I'm going to try it this way and see if I can add it here. So just give me this and uh, see if this this pulls up. It's going to kick us off, Ryan, if when this pulls okay. up. So just so people can get a sense of... of um, what the kid looks like, but he is a, he's a physical specimen. There's no doubt about it. Yep. And there it is. Yeah. Like, yep. like, look, it's in the face. He's, I mean, he's, <laughs> that's a grown up right there. You know he's what I mean? Scary, he's a scary looking dude, man. He really yeah. is. I love a dad too. Yeah. He's a scary dude. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great kid, yes. you know, what just, just very intimidating. And, and he hits like he looks, 
right? Yep. I mean, that's the other thing. He hits like and, he looks. And and I heard and I I've been told by his dad recently that Adon is killing it in school too, which is great to hear. Yeah, that's, that's that, wonderful. Which hear. shocks no one. Zero that knows him or that family. Hundred <laughs> yes. percent. Yes, great people, 100%. man. Absolutely great people. Yep. Here's another one that I want that I skipped over, Ryan, because I wanted to give you a thought. Because I know you've you you and I have talked about this, but I wanted to give you a chance to answer here in the mailbag with yep. a little bit of a bigger audience. And it is higher ceiling, Javante Jean Baptiste or RJ Oben. I would say RJ Oben. I I, I think that RJ because Javante, the thing that impressed me about Javante this year was like, yeah, he's got a good wingspan and he's pretty physically well put together, but it, it it was the the latter that impressed me the most was as far as like just how sh- much stronger he got at Notre Dame than what I thought he was at Ohio State just how much more physical and how much more imposing he was as a player but when you're talking about just like wh- who's a higher ceiling th- that as an edge player the natural gifts that come to me are twitch and their looseness and the bend to be able to be like a consistent threat in the backfield and as a pass rusher and I think that RJ just has that a little bit more. I think he's a little bit more flexible. I think he's a little bit more twitched up. Javante was great this year for Notre Dame. There's no doubt about that. But if RJ hits a ceiling, I think it's slightly higher than Javante. But I think that the the interesting thing was Javante brought a floor this year to the table, which was like, dang, man, like just every game, it was just like he was doing the little stuff, setting the edge, being mm-hmm. physical at the point of attack. That was great. Does RJ have that type of floor? I'm not sure. That remains to be seen. That's a little bit of a question, but I think his ceiling is very, very good. Gideon Rosa, what's up, Gideon? Now that the season is almost over, who do you think Joshua, uh, sorry, what do you think Josh Burnham's ceiling is? Why do you think he's going to be a big end instead of a Viper? Because they're going to move him there. I mean, like, honestly, Gideon, I'm, I'm being kind of sarcastic there, but I personally would like to see him play Viper. I just, that's where I'd like to see him play. I'm not the one promoting a moving to field end. I think the way that they look at it is they need guys there and they love his power. They just, I mean, I know that junior Tillamaka looks more like a Viper, like a big end, but apparently Josh is just a much more physical player and just a stronger player at the point of attack. And so that's, yeah. that's what they see him there. And, and, and there's no reason he can't be physically by next year, like 255, which is what Javante Jean Baptiste was. Yep. I mean, he's not that far away from it now. He's close to 250 now. And I just think they're, they're it really comes down to this, Ryan. At the end of the day, they're trying to figure out how we got all these talented young defensive ends. How do we get them all on the field together? And yeah. right now, Josh has the best chance to profile it as an impact player at that position is what I think the decision they're making. So hope me, they're right. Hope yeah, they're right. Me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Thank you.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.